Graduating from Forest Ridge in 2014 and also graduating from Villanova in 2018 with a bachelor's in chemical engineering and now working for Morgan Stanley, welcome Olivia Ciro. How are you, Olivia? Hi, Luca. I'm great. Thanks for that intro. Oh, of course. Of course. You having a good day? I'm having a good day. Made better. I have. We haven't spoken in a while, so this is exciting. I know. I know. I haven't seen you since Christmas, but yeah, I'm excited yeah. to interview you today. And first off, who... I guess, got you into finance or investing? I mean, who, I guess, when, how old were you when someone introduced you to, I guess, finance? Yeah, definitely. I definitely have to give my mom and dad a huge shout out mm -hmm. or pop, as he's known, yeah. around the Ciro household. Yeah. They did a great job of setting up this investment challenge for us growing up. You know, every month we'd sit around the table and kind of talk about what stocks we were looking to invest in oh, and awesome. there was a, a payday at the end of the month for whoever Did the made best. the most money oh wow um, that's awesome which was always fun you know a little bit of risk reward experience mm -hmm. early on and yeah i think you know my dad always just had some really good baseline advice for young people interested in in investing buy low, sell high, of course, the classic one. Yep, yep. And I think that that experience, just tracking the market and investing in what you're interested in I and mean, seeing how those bets play off was definitely formative at a young age. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. I, I also have great conversations with my aunt Susie, well, your mom and your pop, which is my uncle Michael. And mm -hmm. yeah, they, they give me a lot of advice as well. And I have to give props to Uncle Michael because he really predicted oil and he was invested in ExxonMobil and I think Chevron as well. And obviously those have recently done really well. And yeah, they gave me a lot of insight. I'm glad yeah. they did that for you as well. So yeah, we can we both can definitely appreciate that they have inspired us to get more into finance for sure. So definitely, definitely. you were kind of... So when did you become interested in potentially working for the financial sector? Because you got your degree in chemical engineering, which you could say isn't necessarily something that you'd think would be a degree of someone working in the financial sector. So how did that come to be? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So I guess baseline, I already had this interest that we were just discussing in the market. And I found it to be, you know, a very interesting hobby. And I, I went to Villanova, which has plenty of connections to Wall Street and it's, it has a great business school. And I just decided kind of to go out on a limb and, and learn about something new. I went to a few informational sessions with Morgan Stanley and a few other financial firms. And, and I was just drawn to the industry in general. I knew that there were opportunities to apply kind of the lessons that I'd learned through engineering mm. in finance. And we can definitely dive more into that later. In the context of finance, I think gives you an opportunity to look at the whole entire world from geopolitics to the economy mm -hmm. to consumer sentiment. And you have to deal with all of these really dynamic factors. And at least in wealth management, which is where I work, you know, try to make sure that our clients make it through a dynamic and changing world feeling secure about their money. And it's a really exciting challenge. And so I think it was more of a pull towards that challenge in that world versus a push away from engineering. And I, I it definitely didn't hurt that I met a lot of great people in, in the finance industry that I really clicked with and saw a lot of potential for growth there. Yeah. So, awesome. Why, yeah. why do you think that you as well as other engineers have been able to do very well in the financial sector? For me, I think that something that I had a discussion with my aunt Susie and uncle Michael about is engineers are able to think logically 
and you know looking at economics when you're able to think more logically you think oh well if this is going to happen then that's there's this going to be there's going to be this reactant so Mm-hmm. That's what I think. What do you think? I think that that's probably what I would say too. And by the way, Luca, you're very flattering. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love all the flattery here. It's great. But I, I do agree that some of the traits that you learn as an engineer transfer really, really well to finance. The logical comment you just made is spot on. There's a really great columnist for Bloomberg whose name is Matt Levine. I suggest you check him out. And he describes finance as an industry for people who like solving puzzles. Um, and I think that that's very true. And having just an analytical, curious mind and a good ability to approach problem solving are definitely characteristics you learn studying engineering and and they're crucial to being successful in finance. And I'd also just note kind of just how broad finance is as an industry. You know, I work in finance, but my job is completely different than somebody who works in for example, equity research or venture capital. It's a really, really broad and interesting industry. So some roles are sales roles, some are more analytical, more research-based, but really what unites all of them, I do think, is having analytical ability and like problem solving. And so regardless of your area of expertise, those are key attributes and mirroring helps with as well. Yeah. Wow. I love that answer. So you you work in wealth management at Morgan Stanley. Could you explain Mm -hmm. that a little bit more to our audience? Absolutely. So wealth management, obviously, at the very basic level is helping people manage their assets, manage their money, build long term financial plans for retirement, for funding college for their children. Estate planning is also involved. It's really life event based and making sure that throughout a life, if you have a chunk of change, you're making sure that you're protecting it, you're using it wisely. And it's really important to have a trusted advisor in that journey for many people. Many people really, really appreciate having a human being to talk to about their finances. So that's just like very basic level. What is wealth management? Oh, awesome. um, Morgan Stanley oversees almost $5 trillion. Yeah, I saw that. That's, that's crazy. That's, that's nearly, I think that's nearly a quarter of the US GDP. I mean, it's just, crazy how much some of these financial institutions i guess the assets that they manage it's just i when i saw it for the first time you know seeing these numbers from morgan stanley and blackrock and vanguard i mean it, it's just mine it was it was just mind-blowing i just i think it's incredible and i think it's awesome no it's it's exciting to be part of something that is so big and touches so many people across the country like 2.5 million households have financial advisors with us oh wow so really those financial advisors that are in the field and Luca if you went to the Seattle branch you could go talk to a person about your money and they are really kind of the front end of the business the core of the business and they have an army of people really supporting them back in New York City in the home office which is where I work and what I do is corporate strategy. So we have, like you said, it's a huge organization, $5 trillion in client assets. We just acquired E-Trade recently. Oh, we wow. acquired ShareWorks a few years ago. And my team specifically helps with the strategy behind that. And so it's definitely, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but it, it's a step away from being a market-facing role, really. It's very corporate strategy-based, a lot of focus on partnerships and legal documents and negotiations. And it, it, it's exciting because it's a changing and growing business and definitely work with some really, really intelligent people. And every day is a new challenge. So yeah. it's good. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So is the main Morgan Stanley offices, are they down on Wall Street? Or are they kind of more in what, mid- Midtown Manhattan? We have 
so many offices sprinkled around New York. Yeah. It's crazy. But we we have a big one in financial district, a little bit off of Wall Street. And we have one right smack dab in Times Square. And then we have one in Midtown. We have one all the way up upstate New York or purchase area. So oh, wow. the, there's a few locations. But I work in the one in the financial district. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. I, I have a I have a question. So when people, you know, think of working in the financial sector on Wall Street and you're not like you said, you're not on the front lines. You're not well, you aren't necessarily on a trading floor, right? No. Yeah. So when people see these movies of, you know, people are yelling at each other on the phone, is that not really <laughs> realistic at all? <laughs> No, I I think it is realistic (laughs) in some senses. Obviously, the industry, I think, has changed a lot since, Mm -hmm. you know, the the classic Wolf of Wall Street stereotype. But if you work in sales and trading or in a a sales type of role, capital markets is another area where you might be on the phone and and trading real time and it's high stress. And so that that definitely exists in in pockets of the industry for sure. That's honestly, that's, that's awesome. In my opinion, I just, that just sounds fun, high energy and gosh, it just, it gets you going for sure. Super high energy of four Bloomberg screens and everything's changing by the second sighting. So where are your offices? Do you have a bunch of monitors with just a bunch of charts or is it is it different than that? My personal office or my office situation is two monitors. But yeah, some people, if you're in sales and trading, will have mm. many more than two. Wow. wow. Pretty cool. So I have a question. So right now you have the Fed kind of saying that they're going to be in raising interest rates by 50 points, well, like 0.5%. They mm-hmm. might do it a few times in the next few months. And then also you have the housing market has just gone up quite a bit. And I know rent on average has increased by, I think, 3.7% on a national average. So really, with all these factors, where do you see the economy going in the next six months? Do you think it's going to be a little bit downhill or do you think that it'll keep going? Because obviously inflation is super high right now. I think the CPI is at, what, I think 7.9%. That was even taken before mm-hmm. Russia invaded Ukraine and obviously yep. energy yeah. and commodities have increased in value because obviously you're cutting off a quarter of the world's wheat production from Ukraine and Russia. And then you're also cutting off the third largest oil reserve from Russia as well, as well as other natural resources. So where do you think that we're headed in the short yeah i think you called out a lot of the correct elements and you know the things that you're talking about is exactly what a lot of people in the industry are talking about as well and thinking about at first i would just say quick disclaimer you know morgan stanley is full of expert economists and an investment Mm -hmm. advisor I'm not here to give any advice or recommendations and nothing I say is a recommendation or advice. Um, And like I mentioned, there's some great resources online and publications that we've come out with. Lisa Shalitz, our chief investment officer for wealth management. Ellen Zentner, our chief U.S. economist, has some great podcasts and publications. So I think I'll just kind of draw on some of their commentary to to answer some of these questions. And like I said, you're hitting on the right points, I would say. We all know inflation is is here and and hopefully not here to stay, but it's certainly rearing its ugly head. Ellen Zentner at Morgan Stanley recently says that we see a 50 basis point hike at both of the Fed's May and June meetings with oh. 25 basis points hikes at each meeting after throughout the rest of the year. And so like you said, kind of these conversations around raising the rates were already happening before the war in Ukraine. And that's just exacerbated prices of oil and other commodities, adds added pressure to already rising inflation, you know, which obviously these rate cups cuts are 
supposed to cool down. And by extension, that kind of cools the economy as well. So there are warning signs of the recession. The yield curve spread between the two and 10-year yields on U.S. government bonds fell to just 0.2% recently, which is you know, not a great warning sign. And Morgan Stanley recently cut our full year forecast due to spikes in energy prices, etc. But I don't want to paint only a bad negative picture. Mm-hmm. I think we have to remember that unemployment is very low. Weekly initial jobless claims fell to a seasonally adjusted 187k recently, and oh, wow. that's the lowest since September 1969. Dang. And coming out of the pandemic, Consumer savings are at all-time highs, at $2 trillion in excess savings. So, you know, we're seeing inflation. We're seeing, you know, cooling of the economy through these increased rate, rate hikes. And that'll probably, this inflation will probably lead to companies feeling pressure, especially companies that um, offer goods over services. You know, the tech se- sector specifically has been putting out indicators that first quarter earnings will be muted. Oh, but that being said, the factors I mentioned around employment, savings, they do indicate a strong economy that hopefully can withstand some of these pressures that we're talking about. So there's a lot of factors going on. I don't know if I can say definitively what's going to happen, but there are positives and negatives. And, you know, it's probably best not to be extremely risky with your investments right now. Mm. I think what we've been saying is stick with some quality names, right? We're in a really uncertain environment. And like we've talked about, there's inflationary pressure. And so there are you know, certain names that have strong cash flow and potential to go up that are probably better than risk riskier companies. Wow. Well, that was, so. you. I, I put you on the spot there and that was an incredible that <laughs> as an audience. So thank you. That was, that was very informative. And thanks, Luca. Wow. well, yeah, well, thank you. We, we appreciate that. So another question from me would be, what industry do you see doing very well in the next five to 10 years? If, there, if there's an industry that is kind of new and will, in your opinion, be growing quite a bit in the future? I think that there's some interesting industries and we're seeing a lot of innovation in certain industries, mm-hmm. um, clean energy and climate tech. I think there's there's just large amounts of venture capital flowing into that space, mm-hmm. increased urgency from you know a long-term climate perspective, a geopolitical perspective in the short term, just kind of looking for alternative energy sources. And it's a space seen Tesla do really, really well, obviously, in the last several years. And I think it's been a use case for just the room for growth and innovation. There is an appetite for innovation there is in in that space. So I think that's an interesting place to watch. Web3, crypto, metaverse, I am far from being an expert, but they're transformative technologies. And I think ignoring the space is a mistake and it's definitely a space to watch. So I think I would just probably point to those two. Great. I know that Tesla has been doing really well in the last month or so. I think they're up about 35% in the last month. So yeah, they're doing really well. And yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. So to end this interview, I have one last question. So for my show, I try to teach people who are my colleagues, who are other high schoolers and other adolescents who are soon to be adults and working and probably living by themselves. Why do you think investing is good for young people 
to do. Because I always say when you invest at a young age, by the time you're going to need that money for to pay for a mortgage or pay like a down payment for that or either a car or some big expense, your money that you invested will most likely have the same purchasing power, if not more than than when you initially invested it. And that's what I try to teach people. But what do you think? Why do you think it's important for young people to invest their money? Well, I completely agree with that, Luca. I think that that's a good message put out there. And I, I really, really agree. First of all, just taking a step back with your goal of getting young people just educated and interested in the space. I think oh, actually a lot of what my work is around is bringing financial education and financial wellness to everybody, not just kind of older, wealthy people, but young people. And you're kind of even targeting a younger group of people. Yeah. So that's, that's great that you're doing that. I think time is on your side when you're young. And that's kind of what you were getting at. Exactly. You know, you have a lot of time to, first of all, let your money appreciate the time value of money is the concept yeah. we'll learn about. And then also, it's, you can kind of take more risks because you have a lot of time to win money, lose money, learn 100%. lessons. And so, you know, why I wouldn't recommend unreasonable risk ever. Yeah. When you're younger, it's, it's a chance to Ex explore the space. And so that by the time that you're older and the stakes are a little bit higher and, you know, you have a house and maybe you have some kids and you have to pay for their education yeah. and you're looking towards retirement, you kind of have some confidence around what you're you know, investment strategies are and how to think about money and really how to utilize your money in the best way. So it's just oh, a 100%. great learning experience as a young person for yeah. sure. Well, I mean, being, being, as being a young person, you're not really, you know, paying a ton of bills and well, if not any bills often. And I think that it's just super important for people to be educated. Like you said, I, yeah. I always say this on my show, if someone were to invest a thousand dollars today and let's say it returned on average 10.5% annually which is the average return rate of the S&P 500. I think it's 10.49%. In 30 years that would increase uh by 23 times it'd be $23,000. So I mean it's just really yeah. if you were to invest your money and over time it'll grow. It might not grow that much, but it'll certainly be it'll be way more valuable than it would if you were to just hold it and save it. So Yeah, totally. That's Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, and in an inflationary environment, like we've been talking about, if you're just holding your, your $500, it's actually kind of losing money unless you're trying to actively do something with it. So there, there's actually risk to not putting your money to use oh, as yeah. a young person. I, and I, I think it's cool. You kind of live in a great era as uh, both of us as young people right mm -hmm. now with the increase in self-directed retail trading like E-Trade or Schwab. And so it's a Robin Hood, et cetera. So it's just more accessible to people, which, oh, 100%. Is, I think, which I think is great. Especially in, yeah, for example, just being in this modern age and it's just being so much more accessible to us than it has been before. Because I know that I talked to my dad when he used to day trade, you know, they have to call the broker over the phone and mm -hmm. it would take way longer. But now I can just log into my E-Trade account and do a trade like that and get how my stocks are doing. So it's just so much easier. And yeah, it's 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 awesome. And I just I hope it keeps progressing uh, in that way for people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Definitely. thank you. Thank you, Olivia. That was an amazing interview. And I'm so honored and grateful that you're able to 
join us today. And yeah, that was, that was awesome. Thank you. Okay. Luca, I'm honored that you asked me to be interviewed. Happy to do it anytime. Yeah. And yeah, thanks.